0: Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843 664 8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once in all and forever 843-664-8989 HeritageDigital.com Rock and roll It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks On the Inside the Gamecocks podcast Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy July the 12th. Hope all of you are doing well out there in Gamecock land. Great to be back with you. Got a uh, lot to get to today in terms of mailbag, in terms of general thoughts and analysis. Uh, Thanks so much uh, to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring this segment, uh, which we call our News and Notes segment. Now, these segments are going to change when we go to the daily format. We'll have... Uh, Probably some news and notes early in the morning and then get into the live show and all that. I really hope you guys enjoy it. We've been working behind the scenes on that. Uh, Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, It's free. I mean, to the YouTube page for the Big Spurs, YouTube at the Big Spur. Um, And that's where it's going to be streamed on that platform. Also, follow us on Twitter at the Big Spur pod. Uh, I believe we'll be streaming it there possibly on instagram as well at inside the Gamecocks. possibly on facebook as well uh that facebook a face, facebook page is also called uh inside the Gamecocks. talked to my co-host the other day where we're fired up uh, about getting it rolling here at the end of this month when you know after sec media days uh, right when practice starts uh for south carolina football in 2022 uh, You know, some some news in recruiting. There was a welcome home yesterday. Uh, it's a good, solid player. Um, you know, I don't know if it's somebody that uh, everybody's going to jump up and down about, but really good, solid player. And uh, I think a guy's got a lot of upside. You know, I think he's uh, – and we'll talk more about it when it's public, obviously, but uh, I, I think uh, it, this is not like your sleeper guy that comes out of nowhere Uh, this is an established recruit uh it's just not ranked you know four stars or whatever so you know really good pickup i i thought you'll you'll find out who it is probably in more than a month from now because he's going to hold off on the decision uh other things dylan lonergan commits to alabama that was expected uh starting last week um I can tell you this. I, I love Dylan Lonergan as a recruit. I think he's a hell of a ball player. Um, and I think South Carolina was a big factor with him for a long time. I, I, I'll say this, uh, not to throw him under the bus or anything like that, not to say that the staff didn't recruit him hard, but they're happy with their quarterback situation. They, they There were no you know, tears of sadness in the football building um, after he committed to Bama. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how his career turns out over there. I actually think the kid is making a good decision um, because, you know, he's the second quarterback in Bama's class. He loves baseball. He's very committed to that sport. You know, and usually when you're the second quarterback in a class, uh, when you come in with a guy like Eli Holstein, you know, and you got Ty Simpson sitting there like they do at Bama, you, you know, you probably have to wait your turn a little bit and you can kind of take your time and develop and play baseball and, and do all that good stuff. Not saying that he wouldn't have had time to develop at South Carolina because there's two guys on campus they like. There's Luke Doty still there. Uh, Rattler, I think the hope around the campfire is that he's only there a year because that means he'd have a good season. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that, being the second quarterback in a class for him was probably given his priorities, the right move for him. You know, he's a good kid and you wish him the best over there with uh, Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien. And, you know, obviously it's the best program in the country, you know, so you you can't, you know, (laughs) can't fault some guys for taking that opportunity. Uh, Shadavion Bradley is off the board. The five-star DM from Missouri commits to Tennessee um tennessee was the leader just about the entire time and uh they ended up getting him now was i slightly surprised that he went ahead and pulled the trigger yeah i mean we were tracking him for maybe a september decision uh but he went ahead and did it and vols have have recruited really well with pass rushers the last couple of years uh and i'm going to talk more about what the gamecocks are going to do for pass rushers uh here in the next segment uh, Gigi Jackson don't have a lot of news there other than, uh, I'm continuing to hear what everybody else is hearing. I have reason to believe, uh, that there could be, could be a flip in the works. I, you know, uh, would you, if you put a gun to my head, ask me if it's going to happen, I'd probably say yes right now. Uh, but basketball is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. And in that sport, things can change <laughs> pretty quickly. Flips are so rare in basketball, which is amazing to me, but uh, flips are rare in that sport. But um, I think that the circumstances have aligned uh, themselves in such a way that, that Lamont Paris is, uh, you know, wait till he gets there, but on the verge of uh, making a big, big splash in recruiting, which is what a, a lot of folks really, quite frankly, wanted around here you know big time columbia talent has left south carolina uh, big time south carolina talent has not stayed in state for the most part um now i would argue that uh those that you know it, it, it's one of those things that's hard to hard to kind of uh debate because the facts are since the McGuire era. South Carolina's better teams have been full of in-state talent. I mean, you you look, George Felton went to the tournament one year. That was Barry Manning, JoJo English, Joe Rett. those guys all from Columbia. Uh, you know, move forward to the Fogler, the two years he had, that's B.J. Mackey, Melvin Watson, Larry Davis, uh, William Gallman, Antonio Grant, all from the state of South Carolina. Uh, you know, uh, Odom still had guys like Brandon Wallace, Carlos Powell on the uh, on the NCAA tournament team, and then the nit team. They they had some in state guys too, like Wallace and all that. And he had a little more out of state talent, but that's fine. And then Frank Martin's Final Four team, obviously, uh, PJ Dozier and Sidarius Thornwell were huge parts of that. Um, he also, though, you know, had Chris Silva, uh, had uh, Malik Coats, Mike Coatsar. Malik Coats are Mike Coats are Dwayne Notice. I mean, kind of went international with the rest of it, but uh, Raheem Felder, it was a South Carolina native, it was on that final four team, you know. So, so it's hard to argue that you know, since the days of McGuire, where he had you know what they called the Underground Railroad at the time with um, players from New York coming down in droves, uh, since that era, and that was a different era of basketball, obviously. Um, South Carolina men's basketball has not been good without landing uh, in-state talent, you know, and, and that's been a struggle for the program. I think that if you looked at all the players that have left, if they'd have gotten those guys over the years, you, you kind of think they may have had better seasons, you know, because there were some really good players that, that have left the state. Uh, so this would be a big, uh, I think, a huge uh, – Opening victory <laughs> for Lamont Paris, because it just just hasn't happened before, Um, you know, or hadn't happened in a while, you know, getting GG does that and that kind of also, you know, with as well as he looked uh, in some of these offseason camps, if you think about it, you know, right now you look at the roster, there's a lot of kind of role players on the roster, a lot of guys that. You know, need to really step up because they were hyped coming out of high school and didn't work at Ohio State or Illinois or wherever. Guys coming from lower levels, guys were on the team last year that need to be better. Um, a lot of, and I'm not gonna say question marks, but uh, you know, a lot of these guys are glue guys, you know, they're, they're role players. And um, if you have a bona fide star and then everybody else plays their role. In basketball, you can win games. Uh, You can win games. And, I, you know, the the style of play, uh, you know, I think a lot of people confuse it and think South Carolina's going to look like Wisconsin out there playing, but that's not really what Lamont Paris has said. He said, well, defensively, you know, we're going to be pretty complex and, you know, put a lot of emphasis on it. And then on offense, we're kind of kind of freestyle a little bit. Uh, And I I don't want to put words in his mouth because I don't mean freestyle with no set plays and all that good stuff, but really uh, not as much more of a motion offense than a structured offense, right? Uh, A motion offense in basketball, Bob Knight actually kind of pioneered it at Indiana. You, you, You would always think that Bob Knight's, you know, style of basketball is very rigid and, you know, structured and all that. But offensively, you know, motion offense he ran was based on concepts, not set plays. And a very good basketball expert that I used to work with one time told me, uh, he's like, you know, a lot, of bas- football, a lot of basketball coaches think they're football coaches, and they they call plays and all that, and it's fine, and that works a lot of the time. He's like, but then, you know, there, there's a lot of concepts in basketball that, that you can just kind of freelance and base it on concepts, which is, you know, if-then kind of stuff, and um, – you know, that, that's my understanding of, of what the Gamecocks are going to try to do on offense and basketball this year. So that's, uh, that's all I've got on G.G. Jackson for right now, but it's certainly been uh, something that a lot of folks have been talking about. And according to uh, Saturday Down South, Matt Hayes, really good piece of reporting from him, and it's been confirmed by Dennis Dodds and others, kind of interesting you know there's all these these rumors about SEC expansion that happened over the course of the week and then it starts leaking out ADs and presidents both are kind of going on background or going um anonymously uh talking about uh that the league was standing pat right now um with 16 now now here's here's my take on that i i really think uh That's sort of to calm the waters a little bit. I I think all of this talk uh, about expansion is kind of related to two different things. And we've got a JC and Morgan. We got Hudson Mason on later today. We're going to be dropping. uh, And we'll talk more about that, obviously, there. And I got more in the analysis segment. But uh, I I think that all roads lead to the stupid decision that the alliance, (laughs) some alliance, right? Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12 uh, made to vote against or to table playoff expansion. Um, I think the Big Ten did it because the Big Ten wants, you know, some things that don't necessarily fit neatly into that model. Uh, I think the Pac-12 and ACC were legitimately like, oh, stop stealing our teams. And then, you know, the Big Ten uh, stabbed the Pac-12 in the face. Be careful who your friends are, right? Um, And I've never thought it made a whole lot of sense for the Pac-12 to follow lockstep with the Big Ten anyway. Uh, I I think that it would have been much more healthy over the years if if those two leagues had sort of developed more of a rivalry than a um, partnership. I mean, think about the COVID situation. I mean, you know, uh, (laughs) the Pac-12 just sort of followed the Big Ten's lead on it, thinking everything's going to get canceled. Uh, and then all of a sudden the big thing, oh no, we're playing. And, and who, who was the last to get back in the Pac-12? You know, I mean, that, that's what you get for for following that mess and uh all that good stuff. So, well, you know, I I and I think this is all related to the playoff, but I'll get into more of that later. But right now, according to reports, uh, and I and I've confirmed it through some people I've talked to too. Um the SEC is is not the, the shingle has not been hung out. We are Accepting new applications for membership. Now, look, Notre Dame joins a conference that may cause the, and they've said this in the articles that may cause things to speed up a little bit. But uh, I think right now everybody's just kind of standing pat, um, and there's a few reason for, reasons for that. So we'll see what happens there. All right, thanks to Heritage Digital for sponsoring the first segment of the show, and now. We're going to the second segment, the analysis segment. I want to uh, give a shout-out to uh, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. She's back, uh, re-upped as an advertiser yesterday, certainly very happy. Uh, and I have you guys to thank for that because she's gotten a return on her investment with advertising, and that's, um, that, that's what it's all about. You, know, you guys hearing the ads, supporting the businesses when you need it, and several people that have moved to the Greenville area, have used her services, and they're very, very happy. Um, So if you're moving to the upstate, moving out of the upstate, uh, please give her a call. Married to a Diar Gamecock fan. She's been working the area for over 35 years, can help you with your real estate needs. Again, we got some testimonials uh, in the inbox. They're very, very happy with Cindy uh, and what all she's done. And she can do Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Union, wherever you're at in the upstate, Cindy can help you. So, please give her a call, 864 414 5271 or C. Searfoss, C S E A R F O S S, at C B Kane, C B C A I N E dot com. She's right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue in my hometown of Spartanburg. That's Cindy Searfoss, 864 414 5271. Please tell her that JC sent you. All right. So, what are the game guys going to do at edge <laughs> defensive end? Um, you know, I think Montague Rams from Sumter is one piece of the puzzle. Uh, but look, let's be honest, they missed out on some edge players last cycle, too. Uh, now the portals helped them, uh, with getting uh, Jordan Strawn in 2021 from Georgia State, Terrell Dawkins last year. Uh, but but I'm gonna tell you this, guys, uh, edge rushers, pass rushers from the portal, that's difficult. It's not, you know, you're very fortunate to get strong and Dawkins. Um, And then you got guys like Tyreek Johnson uh, who hadn't done much. He's been injured. Gilbert Edmund, who's still young uh, on on the team. And and then Dawkins, who's behind, uh, maybe behind Birch and uh, Strong uh, in the starting lineup this year. So you got to depend on those guys. Uh, You got – the kid from Orlando, Jones Jr., uh his name's Jones. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Thomas, my Thomas Jr., uh, who's going to have to put on some weight uh, from uh, the Orlando area. Coming in at 6'3", 225. Uh, so we'll see how he does. Um, I think it's possible Grayson Howard turns into an edge at some point, but I don't. That's not the plan right now. The plan for him is to be a big linebacker a la Jasper Brinkley. Um, so, you know, the, there are some potential solutions out there, but they need to recruit some guys. I, mean, I don't know. You know, you lost Harvey to North Carolina, Bradley, uh, TJ Searcy, player out of Georgia, went to Florida, you know, and those were all edge uh, players. Uh, you know, there's talk about five-star Nicholas Harbor from Washington, D.C. He's the sprinter, uh, you know, and, and nobody knows where he's going to play at the next level. Uh, he's a 10-to-800-meter guy. though. So I almost would – I mean, I almost would put him on offense. I mean, I, you know, just because that kind of speed, that kind of size, uh, he's a freak. Uh, you can put him at safety. You can put him at linebacker. Put him at end. You put him tight end. You know wherever you want to put him. Um, and he had some nice things to say about South Carolina. Now, I'll caution you. Uh, he said it was his favorite school for a minute, something like that. That, that, that I don't think that meant the Gamecocks are in the lead. Uh, I, I do think this. I think South Carolina needs to get him back on campus for an official visit. Uh, until he schedules an official visit. I'm going to be skeptical about the Gamecocks' chances. But uh, the minute he does, I think, you know, hey, Carolina's got a good shot, just like they did with Shindeby and Bradley. Missed out a little bit on that. Just like, uh, you know, Jibron Harvey, when he committed to North Carolina, it was almost like, you know, he was torn between the two schools, uh, you know, when he committed. But they've got to start getting some of these guys in the boat. I, I don't know you know, I think with this staff, the philosophy normally has been, uh, if you miss out on your top high school targets, just go directly to the portal. They did that at running back last year, had Ramon Brown, but then they, yeah, that wasn't going to work out. And then they go and get Bill Smith and LaBossier Carroll. Uh, but like I cautioned, it, it's not that easy to get edge players, quality edge that can come play in this league right away. Uh or, or, or down the road a couple of years, it's hard to get those guys or to find them. or for, They're not plentiful is what I'm trying to say. Um, but the game guys do need pass rushers. You know, I always say recruiting is not, uh, not going to be an issue until it is. You know, there's no loss. You know, there's no reason to be worried about recruiting until there is. Uh, and I'm not going to say worried because there's plenty of time to go but, but if you're looking for something where you kind of scratch your head and go, Hey, well, this needs to, this needs to happen. Uh, This is not working out right now. It would be recruiting at edge. I think every other spot, you know, they're fine. You know, I think they will be, I think they had two pretty good wide receivers. They got two good tight ends that have some potential safety, you know, corner, you know, that may be one to think about too. Um, you know, as far as guys that they project as pure corners. But, uh, you know, right now, I think it's, it's all about the defensive ends. And, and I'll tell you this right now, it's it's unfortunate, you know, that, that the state of South Carolina doesn't have, you know, a plethora of edge rushers because that's, you know, something that the state's pretty good at producing. Um, but, see, that, that's the deal there now. So, that's uh, – a. That's my take on that. You know, you got to find some edge guys. You know, if you're looking for one, one thing to be concerned about, and I know a lot of you uh, love to be concerned, uh, it would be edge uh, right now as far as this recruiting class goes. But, you know, you got to do it by any means necessary. Uh, you know, you got to go hit the transfer portal, you got to hit the Juco ranks. You know, you, you just never know uh, how they're going to fill that spot or those spots. And it really doesn't matter how. These days, you just got to find a way to do it, you know, and I know that you know that's disappointing and, and all that. I mean, great, it'd been, it would have been great to have Dylan Lonergan and uh Shenevy and Bradley committed to the Gamecocks right now. And the class ranks up in the top 12, and you know, everybody's uh fired up, but uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at now, it matters where you finish. Uh, plus, there's the portal and all that good stuff, so. We'll see, sort of, what happens there. Talk to a good contact. I had this in my notes today, VIP, uh, which is a little more in depth. Than what I'm going to say here on the thebigspur.com. If you're not a member, I encourage you to go join. I think you join for a dollar now. Uh, that kind of special we have. Yep, first month only a dollar, or if you join annually, 30% off annual VIP membership. Uh, so, um, I, I, I it was pointed out to me. You know, because every time, you know, every July, whatever it is, 12th, you know, you can ask any coach uh, practices right around the corner. Media days is coming up. The unofficial start of the season. Everybody's fired up. There's all kinds of confidence everywhere. I going to be pretty good this year. You know, this is when it really is. Talking season really starts to heat up. Um, and, and so the Gamecocks are no different than everybody else. They're, they're confident. You know, people are excited, that kind of thing. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, There's some tangible reasons why you look at it on paper and you say, hmm, there's reason for optimism. First is stability at quarterback. Now, I was hard on Marcus Satterfield last year. I'll admit it. I said I was going to shut up and not judge anything until we get to the season this year and give it a shot because the the talk out of the program has been – Oh, four different quarterbacks, this, that, and the other. And so, yeah, I get it. That kind of instability can kind of, you know, wreck your train a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, hey, they, they won seven with that. Well, now it was pointed out to me, their, their stability, There, Spencer Rattler uh, is going to be the starter, very talented guy. Obviously he's done everything they've asked him to, uh, ready to go out and have a good year. Luke Doty's gotten better. They love Tanner Bailey and Braden Davis. Uh, Colton is still there. You can always pull the carrying joiner in. Um, get down there behind them, Dante Reno. Maybe they get Jalen Bradford. Who knows? But, uh, but those guys aren't on this year's team. Uh, but, but the situation at quarterback all the way around is just so much more solid. Um, you know, now I've got to avoid injuries, but it's just so much more solid. But then on top of that, uh, you have an older football team. You know, South Carolina is not young this year. I didn't think they were young last year, to be honest, but it's the first year uh, of a new coaching staff and all that. And there's always adjustments. Um, But uh, there's 28 seniors. What was pointed out to me? I don't know. These numbers may not be exactly right. So don't go count them and send me a correction. It's an estimate, 18 of which have starting experience. And I'll tell you this about older players versus younger players. Okay. Uh, Because we live in this world now where I think people, they don't really think about football like it being football uh, in the dynamics of that sport. You know, I almost think people treat it like basketball where a five-star comes in, he's expected to start and do all this other stuff, unless you're like Kentucky, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and that's just not always the case. Different guys develop at different paces and things like that. You know, um, obviously the, there, there's been four or five stars, uh, consensus 24/7 sports composite five stars signed with the Gamecocks and Spurrier and Muschamp eras. Uh, Beamer's still looking for his first five star out of high school. Uh, Rattler was, of course, a consensus five star out of high school, but not in the portal. Um, you know, obviously Marcus Lattimore came in and was uh, a program changer. You know, without him that year. Uh, in 2010, I don't know that that team gets to Atlanta, obviously. Uh, think about what he did with the, the division title on the line. I think 40 carries, 212 yards in the swamp. Couldn't be – I mean, they ran all over him. Um, you know, and then and Clowney, obviously, from the – what was it, the second game of his career at Georgia where he shook Aaron Murray and shook the ball loose. Uh, boy, that was you know, Melvin Ingram made a lot of game changing plays in that one, too. So did Antonio Allen on that defense, which did not have a great day overall, but they just made big plays when it counted. Um, you know, obviously, those guys, you know, are were were, you know, right away, you knew. Well, you know, you got Jordan Burch and Zach Pickens, and it's taking a little, uh, it's taking a little longer. I don't think. It's any surprise with either one when you really start to think about it. You know, Pickens made a transition to inside. Uh, Burch is coming from Skeezer. You know, the, 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 there are just reasons why you sort of looked at those guys and, uh, and said it's going to be a little bit, you know. Um, some would say too long. <laughs> I don't think that, though. I, I think Zach Pickens showed you exactly how, uh, how good he can be um, when he showed up at times and then other times not last year. I mean, no, nobody's happy about the having to come from behind and beat Vandy, right? But uh, it's not been for Zach Pickens in that game, Carolina were lost. Everybody talks about difference makers. That's the definition of a difference maker, somebody that makes a difference whether you win or lose. Uh, but consistency, that's very important for him and for Birch as well. Uh, I think this coming year and, you know, with all the talent those guys have, that gives you hope. It just hasn't happened yet. So uh, the point of all this is to say this. Uh, there's some examples of uh, teams that are younger but very talented uh, that you guys will know that, uh, you know, kind of makes you think being older is kind of is an advantage at times, no matter how well anyone else is recruited or, or whatnot star-wise. Um, and I'll give you one example. I, I don't want to give the whole, the whole bank away here because uh, it's in my VIP notes. But, uh, it, you know, you, you think about that Alabama game in 2010, you know, and their secondary. I don't think very many of those guys did not make the NFL or were All-Americans or whatever. They were very young that year. And you saw what Alshon Jeffrey and Steven Garcia did to them. Uh, they also lost to Auburn and LSU that year. They had three losses in the league. Uh, And then went to the Citrus Bowl, Blue Michigan State out in that game, and they started to come together. And then you see how that defense at Alabama was the next two years in 2011 and 2012 when they won the whole thing. Um, You know, and it wasn't those guys weren't good on that day or those days they lost those games. They were young. Being young is not an advantage in this league. Uh, You can be young and talented, you know, and still – You know, things don't always go your way. Um, So 28 guys that have been there a while, that's a big number. Um, You know, you're talking about grown men out there, and and that's a reason for uh, optimism. And then there's a few more things I get into in the piece. Be sure to go read it. Uh, We'll continue to talk. All right, SEC expansion. So here's what I was told. I was told, like, right now the focus would be, like, the focus is not on expanding. But if they did, if hypothetically, their focus would be on adding schools in contiguous states to the footprint. In other words, states that border SEC states. Okay, um, Kansas was brought up to me, and uh, say what you want about Kansas football, and you know it's not that good, uh, but they have a natural big rival. In Missouri, you know that game went away when Missouri joined the SEC. They have some schedule coming up, but you know people always ask, "Well, who who is Missouri's big rival?" Well, it's Kansas, definitely. It's a border battle. It's like the Washington Oregon game. Uh, A lot of people think Washington Washington State, Oregon Oregon State. Those would be the big ones. Uh, The big one up in the Pacific Northwest is always Washington Oregon. Um, And same thing uh, from what I've learned from those fan bases out there with KU and Mizzou. Um, So that would be good for Missouri. And uh, you bring the Kansas City market in, which you've already got, and really probably the most storied basketball program in the country. Um, You know, so Kansas, you know, North Carolina and Virginia would be no brainers or North Carolina and Virginia schools. Um. I'm kind of getting tired of explaining myself about Virginia. That, that that's not my opinion that Virginia should get in over Virginia Tech by any stretch. That's just what I've been told. Because <laughs> people are like, "You're crazy, Virginia over Virginia." I'm mean, like, "No, man. I I love the Hokies. Actually, I, I would. I've always thought they belonged in the SEC. Um, but those are obviously, you know, if you added UNC and UVA, you've got. Probably what was it? Every you know, every flagship school in the South. You know, for what you consider the South, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, University of University of Arkansas. Yeah, so you got flagship schools, and that seems to be important uh, for the SEC. Um, but it's on pause. Another intriguing thing, you know, when we talk about Notre Dame joining the conference, everybody just assumes it'd be the Big Ten because they they seem to fit. They have rivals. Throughout that league, they're kind of up here. Uh, I'm in Chicago right now, so they're kind of up here in Big Ten country. But there's kind of some history there, and, and I don't know. I'd probably say less than 10% chance of it ever happening. But you talk about contiguous c- contiguous states. Contiguous? How do you say that, freak? <laughs> uh, Indiana borders Kentucky. <laughs> And, you know, think about it. it it's uh, – you do have – you would get a state added on. And you also get, you know, the third largest TV market in the country in Chicago if you got Notre Dame and you're the SEC. And, you know, uh, Notre Dame fancies itself as playing a tough schedule every year, so they're not going to really balk at going to Arkansas or Texas A&M or Texas or Ole Miss or Oklahoma or Florida – You know, they already think they play the toughest schedule in the country. They don't, but, you know, obviously, but uh, they already think that. And that's kind of their, you know, anytime, anywhere philosophy. Um, so that's something to kind of keep an eye on. You know, everybody I've talked to about it says very unlikely, but don't count Greg Sankey out when it comes to doing something that would shock everybody. You know, so so I don't know. You know, that's kind of just what I've heard. Right there with that. All right. Tony Pope State Farm Insurance has a message for you. And we'll be right back with the iHealth Consulting Mailbag. today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843- 851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thanks to Tony Pope State Farm Insurance. By the way, if you're a Gamecock, you live in Georgia, uh, North Carolina, maybe your State Farm guy or gal is a Tar Heel or Bulldog, and you want to give your business to a Gamecock? Tony's able to write any kind of insurance, auto, home, whatever, uh, in all three states. He's a regional operation based out of Charleston. Big Gamecock, good friend of mine. Uh, encourage you guys if you're just looking to make a switch and 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 support. You know that's kind of uh, what we what what I'd encourage you to do. Uh, And and, and in all cases, please tell them that you heard about it on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. All right, two ways to get in the mailbag, the I Help Consulting mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, which is cool, Um, or you can email insidethegamecocks at gmail.com. We'll start with the Twitter. Then I'll tell you about I Help Consulting. Uh, Jack comes in. When it comes to NIL, what do you think about a third-party arbitration process to determine each player's worth similar to MLB. I don't think that would fly because who's determining that? What are their qualifications? It's just a big old process. Now, now here's the thing to look out for there. And I I mentioned this today too, on the website, Uh, there's whispers out there about a possible revenue share with TV. Now here's what I think they should do. This is my opinion, my idea. Uh, I'm not peddling it to anybody. I just hope that, someone listens uh, or, or, or someone has the same idea. How about that? All right. So the problem with an IL right now is it's being used as an inducement to come recruiting wise. You're, you're giving guaranteed deals to high school players. You got lawyers involved, which who are, you know, look, they're in it to make money. Uh, I don't think they're qualified to determine their client's value. There's, I think it's kind of dumb. Uh, I don't know what math they're using, uh, but you got a guy out in California and a couple guys elsewhere that really honest to God, they just want to stick it to the colleges, drive the prices up and all that, uh, with little regard for what NIL is supposed to be. So what is NIL supposed to be? Well, television is exactly what it is. You're using the player's name, image, and likeness to have an entertainment product that is televised that you make big money for. Uh, so it makes sense you know, to cut them in. And I think this would quiet the people with, you know, that think oh, they're all exploited or, or whatever, which, you know, when, when people talk about that, they're really just focusing on like the th- top 3% of all the players that are going to go make money in the NFL that are risking injury uh, at the college level. They're, they're not talking about the 97% where they're not going to the NFL, but college footballs changed their lives with the scholarship, just how it is now. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, and everybody always wants more money. You don't get me wrong. Uh, but what you could do is, and, and this is where conference payouts with TV can directly impact recruiting. Right now, nobody cares. You know, it, it, you know, a kid that signs with Clemson over South Carolina, they don't care that South Carolina is getting $108 million a year in TV money. In 2028, 20, and Clemson's projected to only get 50 at this point. They don't care. They're not seeing a penny of it. Well, if you start doing a doing a rev share, not only uh, does everybody get the same coming in, not only uh, do you have an advantage of you know conference by conference to conference, because uh, because they're not going to come in. All right, so that's where the that's where that's where the equality stops right, each conference is going to set its own amount, right, you know, and, and there's just nothing, you know, nothing that, uh, nothing that can, um, you know, change that. The conferences rule themselves. So, uh, you know, what you do at that point is that that NIL deal that everybody signs if they want to come in, uh, you know, and they have to, you know, that's kind of a requirement for your scholarship. That's an exclusive deal for one to two years, okay? So then guys get there, they're, they're making money, they're getting paid for their name, image, likeness, and getting paid well. Uh, but if they want to add on top of that, then they have to, you know, you got to kind of go prove it and, and prove your worth, and then the market takes over. Um, I think that's a good idea, you know, because uh, it, it is, in a sense, what name, image, and likeness is all about. Uh, you set the, the percentage, you set how much every player's getting, and you rock and roll, and everybody's equal coming in. And then, after a couple of years, uh, like Steve Spurrier said, uh, he, he was talking about this. He's like, he's, after, after a year or so, you prove you're worthy. He's like, it's a free country, and it is. Um, so that's what I think. I mean, you know, you, I, I, I when I hear things like they need third party arbitration or they need, this, that, or the other. You know, I, I a lot of that talk is from schools that are falling behind in NIL a little bit that are looking for any reason but, you know, hey, the fan base has to step up and do it, uh, to kind of make it even. Um, and I'm not saying that's you, Jack. Uh, I, I, in fact, I, I, I'm pretty sure you are a, uh, Carolina rise member. So, uh, and anybody that's not that they can't afford it or whatever, I'm not coming down on you. It's, it's just in general. I mean, there's people out there that, you know, whatever, you know, they want to blame, you know, the university for NIL when the university legally couldn't do anything until, you know, 10 days ago. And, uh, that's not fair. It's never been fair. And the fan bases that have gotten it, you know, they've done pretty well in the NIL space, like Tennessee. And the fan bases that have not, you know, not so much, you know, and and there's different ways to do it. By the way, Carolina Rise members um, getting very close here in the next 30, 45 days to announcing our first uh, handful of student athlete contracts. I think you guys are going to be pretty pleased uh, if things come to fruition uh, like I think they are. Uh, we still need more members, still need more money. So go to carolinarise.com. Um, we'll have some new gear up. You'll be able to order T-shirts, I think. Uh, and I think keychains <laughs> is the next item. Uh, keychains and T-shirts. So uh, and, and look, the T-shirts aren't cheap, but that's just because uh, they're not cheap to make You know, right now. And uh, so they're, they're, they're a little bit pricey, but uh, it's for a good cause, and you have to, to spread the brand. By the way, 1801 club members, those magnets have been going out all week. Um, and if you have, between any point uh, at the beginning till now, if you've joined Carolina Rise, you are an 1801 club member. I've changed that because people were given more than 1801. Uh, and I didn't think it was fair to to not include them in the club. So instead of the first 2500 to pay 1801 a month, I'm gonna go with the first 2500 period uh, in the 1801 club. And, and then if I need to expand it and, and say, right, well, let's make it 3,000, but then we'll limit it to 1801. We'll do that because you know you guys that are given 100, 200 or 300 a month, I mean there's no reason why you shouldn't get a car magnet, you know right <laughs> uh, or be in the club. Um, and so that's that with that, but that's, that's NRL. Uh, and, and, and it's a good question. And look, man, anything that can be done, uh, to make the process, even in recruiting I'm all for, uh, it's just hard to do right now. You know, it's just hard to do, but I, I think that because the minute you start taking money away, you know, you're going to have lawsuits or whatever. Well, if you go to a rev share, You know, and then that is in and of itself an NIL deal. And you say, okay, you know, this is an exclusive deal. You can't do any other NIL for the first year. That's fair. Exclusive NIL deals happen all the time. They're perfectly legal. So, and and they, they counteract the whole, let's unionize, let's do this, let's do that. I mean, like, look, man. Uh, the guys during the pandemic got the PAC 12, bless their hearts, when they were trying to, union some of the requests were just out to lunch, uh, and zero basis in reality. So you don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want, you don't want college athletics to unionize. Now, do do I think there needs to be maybe a, uh, you know, some kind of players advocate group? Yeah. I, I think their, their voices need to be heard, but when you do have straight up unionization, it's not the players, it's it's the bosses. Union, but you know, the people that lead the union. And a lot of times those guys are kind of, I don't know, it has to be somebody that really understood college sports and the value. Game Cop Pastor, a frequent tweeterer to our podcast. Thank you, cop Pastor, with Bradley committing to the sea. Seems a lot of fans' attention has turned to Nicholas Harbor. Where does game where does Carolina really stand with him I refuse to get my hopes up but I'm curious if we're really in the lead here no I I, I, I look back on his interview he had good things to say about every school um, he said was my is my leader for a minute for a minute now I, I don't know uh, it, it was a little bit confusing uh, my guess is if he visits officially then you can start to get your hopes up a little bit even then. The competition is insane for him, and rightfully so. I mean, he's basically like a Hussein, uh, I mean, Hussein Bolt. Yeah, I think it was his name, Hussein Bolt, uh, for football. I mean, 10 to 800-meter at that size. Unreal. And so, uh, you know, j- just wait and see. Uh, you know, I think landing a guy like him, uh, out of the D.C. area helps. I, I, but I also think this. I think that, you know, uh, you look at Desmond U. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Defensive end, edge guy, probably going to Ohio State. But Gus is about Carolina every time he's asked about him. Same with Harbor, another D.C. area kid. Uh, kids talk, you know. So Zavin Sandy comes down here. Zabari, Sand, sorry, Zabari Sandy comes down here. Has a great experience. You know, you've got Lloyd from up there having a great experience. And, you know, because Delaware's right there and all that. Brayden Davis, Debo Williams. You know, the more you kind of chisel away, the better. Because historically, I'll tell you this when Maryland's not recruiting well locally, they always kind of get somewhat their share. Uh, and they are recruiting locally now. So you got those guys. Mike Loxley obviously can recruit. Um, you've got Ohio state with Larry Johnson, uh, and he's the one that laid the groundwork for Penn state, having such a, a, a stranglehold on Maryland and DC, uh, cause Penn state, people don't think about it. Uh, you just go straight North from DC and, and you can get to Penn state pretty quickly. It's right there. Um, kind of in the middle of Pennsylvania. Uh, and so, you know, historically when Larry Johnson was at Penn state, he kind of ruled down there now he's at ohio state killing it um james franklin and penn state still kill it in that area uh and then you have uh, particularly on the virginia side uh alabama and schools like that have kind of feasted up there clemson's done well up there as well uh so if you're the game guys you need to keep chiseling away uh at the dc maryland area and you know, it takes time. And you can get Desmond U in or Nicholas Harbor in. That sends a big message. Uh, and you just keep on keeping on. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not – I thought that was very significant, The uh, what he said, in terms of, like, does he still like Carolina? You know, because it's been a minute since he's been back. But, um, you know, I, I I didn't go overboard with it. I didn't go overboard with it. All right. I help consulting mailbag continues. By the way, speaking of thanks, want to thank I help consulting. They're going to stay on as the sponsor of the mailbag. Uh, And if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. That's where I help consulting can help. I help as a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you're paying too much for credit card processing, insurance, internet, or anything else, I help can you find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843 372 5713, or visit I help to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843 372 5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? And yes, as we move to the daily format, it will remain the I Hope Consulting mailbag. Still got lots of other sponsorship opportunities for that daily thing, though, guys. Uh, that's a different beast than this one. I mean, you're talking two and a half times the content and segments and, and all that good stuff. So the next things is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And Gamecock Pastor hits me up on here. That's good. Good deal. And this is a little old. But he says, I heard Brady Quinn on the late kick with Josh Pay talk about how he thinks college football is already operating in and becoming more of a professional sports model. He pointed out that all the professional leagues have two conferences, so it's likely that college football will eventually consist of two super conferences. If this is truly where we're headed, I have two questions. How does South Carolina begin preparing now to not slip into the irrelevant zone if and when college football consists of two super conferences? And who is the most responsible for planning ahead in this area? The AD, the head coach, or the players themselves? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know that you have to do any preparation. Um, if they do go to super conferences, when you're talking about a conference that big, it almost takes you kind of back to the future because you've got to do divisions, uh, you got to have a carrot for winning the division. You can't just get together and vote and all that crap. You know, it's going to be like the NFL. You're gonna be, be needs to be like the NFL. You know, the NFC South, winner isn't always the best one uh, over some other teams, but they win it, so they get in. Um, and, and so you're, if you're talking about that, and especially if they add a North Carolina and Virginia school, you know, South Carolina is almost going to be in a better position uh, than the current idea, which is, uh, you know, 16 teams and just the top two end up playing in Atlanta. You know, because you're going to have access to the playoff, the national, you know, the, the Big Ten and SEC playoffs will become the national playoffs. And so in a division that, I mean, even has Clemson in it, you know, Clemson, you know, North Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky uh schools like that or whoever you know uh, south carolina can compete with those teams and i know they haven't competed with clemson in a while but historically they can you know it, it's not uh it, it, we're just in a period right now it's the best uh, run in clemson football history i mean you know that happens that's exactly what they said when south carolina beat them five in a row under spurs best run in south carolina football history and it was so You know, I don't think that there needs to be any massive prep. I mean, you know, the things you would worry about would be things like facilities. Well, they're all over facilities. They've got some of the best football facilities in the country. NIL. Now, that is an issue right now. But I think, as you'll see, kind of over time, people will wake up. They'll understand it a little better. They won't be so mad at Ray Tanner, you know, and, and they'll end up you know, South Carolina will have a robust NIL situation, not than a robust financial situation. Th- those are the things you worry about is, you know, financially can we compete. Um, head coach and players, you know, I, I, Shane Beamer, to me, has a vision for the program that includes playing anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, and that's just kind of how he is. Uh, you know, and, and if you think about it, uh, Game Pastor, You know, let's just say hypothetically they did go to 20 and Virginia, North Carolina, Clemson were part of that. And they split off into like a SEC Atlantic division, right? Well, they already play Clemson every year. They already play Kentucky every year. You're you're basically trading North Carolina and Virginia for uh, for Georgia and Florida. You know, (laughs) I think I'd take that. Uh, and then you'd probably have four or five other games that rotate to be the SEC so that you're not going back to the ACC in terms of the teams you play every year, but you're kind of going back in terms of the teams you compete head to head with for division titles. Um And so I don't, I don't necessarily think there's any prep that has to go in it. I don't, I don't think Carolina at all has to prep for Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, you know, that those teams uh, are, are going to be teams. Carolina has got to line up and play, but, It's not like they're expanding to 14 regular season games and adding two surefire losses on there. Uh, So so I would say as an institution in general, super conferences or not, you always have to be prepared financially. Uh, And and that's everybody's big worry right now. Will we have enough NIL, whatever, uh, to compete? To compete. Number two, what elements of college football that make it unique from all the other sports are in most danger of being lost if the landscape were to shift to two major conferences, big playoff, culminating in a Super Bowl or national championship? Uh, the Bowls would probably, I, I think at that point with the, that type of setup, you know, either the Bowls would be rele- relegated to maybe it's a, you know, because you're going to have, if, if you have 48 teams in sort of the super level, And then everybody else. I mean, you're going to have some some schools that care deeply about football drop to that lower level, and and so you know what do you do with the bowls? Or you know, are you going to still send non playoff teams down to the bowls to play the other? I mean, I don't know. I think bowls would hurt. I mean, I think any sort of like, you know, unless you can corner. You know, every rivalry and all group all the rivalries in one con. I mean, you're going to lose some of those rivalry games, but we've already been doing that. I mean, you know, th- the things that bother me the most about expansion are, are like, you know, I mentioned Missouri, Kansas earlier. Um, <laughs> you know, I hate that game went away. It sounds crazy. I hate it that it went away. I mean, that, they played in Kansas City a few years back for the, I think the, one of the big, big 12 North title. Um, both are ranked in the top five. Uh, that, those days are long gone for uh, Kansas, at least. Uh, but, uh, you know, I hate that Nebraska-Oklahoma went away. I hate that uh, West Virginia and Pitt went away. Uh, Pitt and Penn State had gone away anyway because Penn State, and that's a Joe Paterno thing. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see that game fired back up, you know, or, or are you going to lose – you know, you know Texas Texas Am is a travesty you know but, but they're fixing that Um, it will, you know what will happen to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State you know that kind of thing um, so th- that would be you know the, the, just the kind of the the regular season games that no matter what the records are you know say throw out the record books and these two teams play the games everybody cares about the alums and all that that that's that's what would bother me is if all if that just sort of went away um you know and you don't have the passion uh in those games like you do now now of course look man the nfl you got a new set of players all the time and it's pro ball and you trade and you know whatever but you know when the steelers and cowboys play it's still they get up for that one you know when when the bears play the packers everybody gets up for that one falcons play the saints everybody gets up for that one you know, just about anybody who plays the, in the NFC East still has a healthy appreciation for rivalry games. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know, the emotion goes completely away. I, I, I just worry about the the every for itself, and then what makes a sport special kind of eating its own, and then bowls and rivalries would probably be two things on the chopping block. Thanks, Game Guy Pastor. Keith says with Kingston being given one more year to turn it around, it feels very similar to the position Frank Martin was in before he got fired. Has this ever worked at South Carolina or anywhere else? Has a coach on the hot seat been given one more chance and then suddenly figured it out and became successful. I'd, Frank Beamer is an example of that at Virginia tech. I think in year six, he went two eight and one. Um, Let's see who's been on the hot seat. You know, Tommy Bowden saved himself in 03, but I mean he was gone by 07. You know, these ultimatum years, I don't know. You know, I'm trying to think of who was giving up like Brad Scott, you know, that last year he <laughs> made probably the dumbest decision ever and and wouldn't fix his defense, decided to go fix his offense. You know, that uh and then he went one and 10 that, that hurt him. Uh, but you know, I, I don't I can't remember, you know, uh, of a, you know, Frank Beamer is an example. I, I know Tommy saved himself at Clemson, in you know, three, and then ended up, you know, getting fired anyway. I, you know, no. And, and look, a lot of times, and, and this probably will not happen next baseball season if Carolina struggles, but in football, a lot of ways you know those those guys that are given a mandate to turn it around they're out before the third game In a lot of instances less miles is an example of that all right you're done so i don't know i I will say this baseball is a funny game you know uh, people are sick of watching the style of baseball that south carolina has been playing the last few years and, and so that needs to change, you know, the, and, and the style. When I say style of play, I'm talking about playing winning baseball. They haven't been playing winning baseball. um. So we'll sort of see how it goes right there. Noah, hey, JC, any thoughts and guesses on where each of the ACC teams end up after the realignment, which go to the SEC Big Ten or get left out? You know, and, and I'll, I'll say this. I think the teams we've been talking about, You know, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, NC State, uh, maybe Louisville. I mean, they all have some value. Now, your Wake Forest and Dukes of the world, Syracuse maybe, maybe even Boston College, uh, do they sit there and go, well, let's join up, let's get Big East football started again and – We'll join up in the Big East and have our, our awesome basketball league, and you know then football can be in the Big East. You know, play everybody. You know, I I don't know that West Virginia probably you know if they didn't get an invite to the SEC, West Virginia wouldn't be a team that that would be there. Um, or do you keep the ACC uh, and just add teams? Do you do they add all of a sudden? Do they go raid? because I'll say this, if if the ACC went and said, okay, Cincinnati, West Virginia, UCF, you have no business being in the big 12, (laughs) come join the ACC. They would, if they went to UConn and said that, I think they would, you know, so, uh, you know, that, that those are all questions to ask yourself uh, about that particular league. Um, to me, the ACC has done two incredibly dumb things. Uh, first of all, it was uh, that grant of rights thing just screwed all their all their all their players, all their schools, and the schools agreed to it. So it was dumb of them too. I mean, you have to think in a climate that rapidly changes and stuff like that. Uh, you know, that's a long that's an eternity, especially when everybody else is coming due. 10 years before you. Um, That was incredibly dumb. And I honestly think voting against conference expansion was incredibly dumb. I certainly understand Clemson's point of view with conference. I'm sorry, not conference playoff expansion. I understand Clemson's point of view with it because life's pretty good. You know, their path to the playoff every year is pretty easy. uh, Like it or not. And uh, so I understand their point of view of it as a league though. I, Um, and, and, and then they, they colored it with, we have too many problems. Now we have to solve ah BS (laughs) that has nothing to do with expanding the playoff. Um, and so they screwed themselves in both, you know, on both ends with that. Now, what I think a lot of this chatter is right now, it's probably about, let's get playoff expansion done because right now guys, here's the reality. There's no college football playoff after what? 2025. That's when the, when the contract ends there, there it, there's nothing, there's nothing lined up. It doesn't roll over uh, right now. There's not going to be a playoff, you know? So, and Greg Sankey's pointed this out. So I think that, uh, you know, if you're the big 10 and sec, it is in your best interest to sort of say, if we have to go it alone, here's what we're going to do. To heck with everybody else. Now, the Big Ten voted against playoff expansion for whatever reason. I think it's the most hypocritical athletic conference in America, just to be honest. When you you, you see all the stuff they talk about and then you see what they actually do, you know, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. There's a disconnect there with that league. Um, but I think it's in the ACC's and everybody else's best interest right now to um, to sign the playoff expansion deal as quickly as possible. And I'll say that. Isaiah asked me for the mailbag. Uh, you have any insight on the Gigi Jackson situation? Yeah, updated that at the top of the show, Isaiah. Have reason to believe it could happen, definitely for the Gamecocks, but We'll see sort of how it goes. Uh, all right. So we got uh, – all right. Belmont Gamecock, I've got a, more great things. Uh, from you here, uh, it says, JC, you've often said that football is a developmental game. Leveraging your knowledge with college recruiting and understanding what it takes to be successful in the ACC and then go pro – can you look across at the sudden depth at quarterback Spencer Rattler aside, and who is your pick to be the next great quarterback at South Carolina for production and leadership? Which one has the best opportunity to get to the pros? Looking forward to your daily show later this month, Thanks, Belmont, Gamecock. You know, right now Rattler is probably the guy that's got the best shot at the pros. I'll I'll say this, you know, like Luke Doty to me, you know, people. People are like I'm just not sold, just not sold, just not sold. He, he's getting better, and, and I think the best thing that could happen to him would be to sit this year and, and learn and 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 develop. And you know, there's a reason he was very highly regarded as a recruit. If you really dig into his situation, though, and, and some of the heat he takes is completely unfair, and just downright dumb. I mean, you know, he got thrown in there at the end of 2020. I don't know what anybody expected. Um, and then, you know, last year he played on a broken foot and had some good moments and some bad moments. Uh, I think he needs to get healthy. Calm, calm down when he's out there. I mean, I think, I think that's what a lot of people when they watch Doty, they get this, they almost get nervous because he looks nervous, right? Calm down, play calm, cool, and collected, and get out there. Now, Tanner Bailey's another guy. Now, Tanner and Luke to me kind of, you know, I feel like. College quarterbacks. Maybe Tanner gets the NFL. I, I, I don't know. Um, the guy with the NFL upside, uh, right now, among the guys on the right, I think Braden Davis, because Braden's the Braden's the guy that he puts it all together, the pros are gonna love athletic specimen, he can run, he's six five, whatever. NFL bloodlines. Um, and you know, because the pros kind of look at different things when it comes to quarterbacks, but you know, that, that I know that's like three different answers about getting to the pros. Uh, if I had to say next great quarterback at South Carolina production elite, based on what I've heard, uh, a lot of people think Tanner Bailey is going to be that guy. You know, that's why uh, nobody is really boo-hooing that Lonergan went to Alabama. And that's nothing against Dylan. I think he's a hell of a prospect. So thank you, Chris. I know we're entering a time where geography doesn't matter, but the closest school for USC UCLA to play in the revised Big Ten is Lincoln, Nebraska. That's over a five-hour flight if you include the time zone change as well. Being a full-time student and getting on a plane Thursday night, Friday morning to fly from LA to Madison does not sound great for the body, even with all these athletic freaks in all sports. I'd think there'll be an athletic disadvantage of football, basketball, and many other smaller sports that play more than once a week or in large tournaments because of jet lag and time zone differences. You agree? Uh, I think it works, works both ways, Chris. I think, uh, you know, those teams from the Midwest have to go out to L.A. as well. Um, our country's getting smaller. Uh, now, what I hope they don't do... And this would be something if I were SC or UCLA, I'd be like, hey, wait a minute. Um, they got the big noon kickoff, it's noon eastern. Do you really want? I mean, you're gonna kick off a game at 9 a.m. at LA Coliseum. That sounds gimmicky and not good for the local guys. Um, uh, and, and if I were them too, I'd try to I try to, you know, make sure that you you don't schedule, you know. UCLA at, 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 Rutgers cross country flight, um, you know, at noon Eastern, you know, that, that's not fair. Uh, I think, who was it? Was it SC that played at Maryland or who played at Maryland? It was, it was SC, wasn't it? I don't know. Somebody played at Maryland from the West coast and got beat a few years by Cal. It was Cal. It was Cal pretty badly. So, um, yeah, Tom Herman in Texas went to Maryland, too, and lost. Um, you know, as far as basketball and things like that go, that, that's all got to be worked out. I would guess, you know, it would be more of a uh, kind of a travel buddy situation Um, like the Pac-12 does already. And, and if you think about this, though, guys, the Pac-12 is different than, you know, a lot of the other schools, you know, or other leagues. So, So, like, for example, the – the Big 12, yeah, they got to go out to West Virginia, you know, every now and then. Soon they're going to have to go to Orlando and Cincinnati and Provo, Utah. Um, the ACC now, the, those teams have to go up to Syracuse and BC and Pitt, but it hasn't always been that way. The Pac 12, uh, they've had road trips that, that go from Tucson to um, Seattle for years. You know, they're kind of used to getting on planes and taking plane rides and stuff in that league. Uh, So, SC and UCLA are probably more equipped to do it. They all fly on private jets now, too, anyway. So, you can kind of scale. You don't have to. It's not like they're going through the airport flying commercial. Uh, And with the money they're going to be making, they can fly all their sports teams around like that. All right. That's it for today on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Belmont Gamecock. I got two questions. Left for you in the I hope consulting mailbag, and I'll get to those next episode. Almost all caught up with that. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Again, can't emphasize it enough. Uh, Go to Carolina Rise.com, join up the collective. Uh, It's really to the point where some good things are starting to happen with it, but we need more. Uh, Just to give you an example, probably tracking like membership to Carolina Rise versus membership to Big Spur and podcast audience i'm I'm probably like seven (laughs) percent uh of total number of people um and those people add up you know you 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 get a thousand people which is a probably 20 percent um paying 1801 a month you know do the math that's pretty good it's pretty good stuff that'll help (laughs) quite a bit so do that encourage your friends 1801 club uh is open for business and uh, we want you to join go to dot to learn how thanks to all our sponsors and all of our listeners uh here on the inside the game podcast can't wait can't wait to move forward uh, here at the end of the month with the daily format you guys are gonna be hearing from me a lot until then we'll talk to you soon jc sherbert inside the game podcast signing off